Jacob Infante joins me once again to recap day two of the Senior Bowl. It's all coming at you on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And once again, I'm joined by Jacob Infante as we are here at about 1112 CST, finally ready to record <laughs> our update on day two of the Senior Bowl because us at Windy City Gridiron, we are working around the clock to give you the best coverage possible. And Jacob has had yet another busy day in Mobile. Jacob, how is it down there it's great uh i know that up north uh in the chicagoland area there was a whole lot of snow it was nice and sunny about 65 70 degrees outside perfect football weather nice to just be able to wear shorts in january so that along with being able to watch football can't be beat great day today I, now I'm from Texas, so all that talk of snow is still a little bewildering to me. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't it nice uh, being the one bright side about the South is that, hey, in J by January, winter's over. It's springtime now. And so it sounds like you're getting to see that <laughs> firsthand. Now, uh, I know that it's fairly late, so we'll try to keep this relatively brief. But you know I can't let you start on anything other than quarterback. So did we see any changes from yesterday? Anybody still lackluster? what's going on yeah I feel like the biggest change was probably Mac Jones I talked about him a little bit in yesterday's podcast and he didn't necessarily live up to the hype in day one and I feel like in day two he still had a couple of issues but he looked a lot better I feel like he looked a lot more comfortable with his targets he didn't have any miscommunication issues he was more accurate uh, he was able to stretch the field a bit more in those one-on-one -on -one drills, which I, you know, was definitely impressed with. And even though he saw a decent amount of time going up with uh, running backs and tight ends uh, who were being guarded by linebackers in those drills, but I, I was impressed with what I saw from Mac Jones and with him, he's the type of guy where, you know, he has his limitations. You know what you have in him, not a very high ceiling, but a high floor, and I think you showed that today. And, you know, considering his skill set, I think that's, you know, might be as good as you're going to get from him. So I, overall, though, I was impressed with Mac Jones for sure. Sounds like on a personal level, it was exactly the day that Mac Jones needed, because as we both know, he's not going to come out in day two and suddenly become Russell Wilson athletic. So that showing that he's able to be more comfortable, work the short areas of the field and be efficient in what he can control. I mean, stringing back to back disappointing days would have been much bigger statement than coming back. And would you say he was the clear QB one? I think he was definitely today. He was the clear QB one. I feel like a lot of the QBs put together rather lackluster performances. I think Jay Newman was solid again, out of Wake Forest. Uh, maybe not as good as he was on day one, but he still showed, you know, a nice arm, some good accuracy. I think that he forced his reads a little bit too much when it came to those seven on seven drills and the scrimmages, but again, not necessarily a bad performance. And then, yeah, you, there's a very clear tier down from there. I think Kellen Mond uh, regressed from day one. He was solid day one, but had a pretty bad day in terms of deep ball accuracy. He was erratic and all over the place. Uh, Ian Book and Sam Ellinger, they were 
you know, decent. I think Ian Book was, you know, had a decent day, all things considered, but, you know, none of them are much more than day three guys. And then Felipe Franks, I think he's, it's been a rough two days for him. I feel like he's got the arm talent, that's apparent, but his accuracy, his decision-making, his mechanics, all out of lack. So not necessarily the best day for quarterbacks, but if I had to pick, I'd say Mac Jones had the best day, which is pretty uh, lines up, lining up with what I've seen on tape of all those guys. Mm-hmm. Games on Saturday, right? Yeah. It sounds like Mac's got a big showing ready on Saturday where whether it's poor or great, that that's exactly the kind of environment in an 11 on 11 setting where he and Frank, obviously the rest of the quarterbacks, but where he's hoping to shine. So I'm going to be interested to be following how he's doing on the day to day, because I mean, let's be honest, Bears fans, if we don't end up finding some kind of veteran quarterback option, Mac Jones, unless the Bears trade up, frankly, even if they do, might be one of the more realistic quarterback targets available at number 20 so if you're wondering why there's a little extra attention that's why but you know I think you'd agree, Jacob, just like we talked about yesterday, when it comes to this Bears offense, there's nothing they need more besides a quarterback than the guys that protect the quarterback. And, you know, yesterday you were telling me you were getting a chance to watch a little more offensive line. Were you able to? I was, and I was very, very happy with what I saw. And that's that's really good news for the Bears. I looked at this offensive line class and I'm like, man, there are so many guys on this field right now that I would love to see in the Navy and Orange. Uh, one guy I want to talk about in particular was Quinn Miners, the center or guard rather from Wisconsin Whitewater. He played guard, but took a lot of snaps at center. So I thought that was particularly interesting. Uh, he looked powerful at the point of attack, polished. He had a really good day on day one. I think this was even better. I remember I had him in a mock draft to the Bears, I think in the seventh round, just because I thought he was a bit under the radar. I had him a little bit higher than that around like that fourth, fourth, fifth round range. I think with how Quinn Miners is playing, he's boosted his stock as much as anyone in this class in the senior bowl right now, because he didn't have that 2020 season to go off of. This is his tape. And that tape is straight up dominant against really good competition. So I think he's going to definitely rise up a bunch of boards, uh, Deontay Smith out of East Carolina had another amazing day, very strong and athletic, uh, well-rounded, definitely. I was really impressed with how he played. We talked a little bit yesterday. He's longest arms in the class. Uh, He weighed in at more than he was listed. Uh, It's just been a really good couple days for him. Those are two guys in particular. uh, I could really go on. Dylan Raddins from North Dakota State had a great day. He looked like a legitimate second-round option. Creed Humphrey, Oklahoma, had another very good day. He looked so strong at the point of attack. You can't push the pocket against him. I can go on and on. There are so many offensive tackles that, you know, I don't want to you know, just go on ranting, I guess. Drake Jackson, Kentucky, Alabama, Deontay Brown, uh, Cincinnati, James Hudson, David Moore, Grambling State. The list goes on and on. Robert Jones, Middle Tennessee State. I'm just remembering so many offensive linemen. It was a really good day for the offensive linemen. I'm so happy I got to spend time watching them. It's a really good class. 
And that's amazing to hear, not just because yesterday you were crowing about how this defensive line class also looks a little underrated, meaning that we can't just chalk it up to poor competition, but also because when it comes to offensive line, I think you'd agree, the most important thing in a class is depth, because that means that you might be able to angle a starter out of the third round or even further down the board. But depth is key for a team like the Bears that doesn't just need quality help, but they need as much quality quality help as they can get it sounds like there's a mix of high class ped or high pedigree power five tackles and interior linemen as well as some really interesting small school options is that a fair statement yeah absolutely i feel like in terms of small school talent this is uh one of if not the most talented group of offensive linemen i've seen in the draft i feel like there are potential day one starters at all levels uh Power five, group of five, uh, FCS, division two, division three. There are a lot of really talented guys, regardless of where they went to school, which is huge for the Bears, uh, regardless of where, whenever they take an offensive lineman. And that makes me really excited because I just, I want the Bears to have a good offensive line. It's been a while uh, since I felt super comfortable long-term about the Bears offensive line. They've had good seasons. 2018 was pretty good, but I want a really good offensive line. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. I feel like, yeah, I feel like this draft class is a perfect opportunity to get a guy or two who can make it one step closer to getting to that spot. Totally agree. I mean, for crying out loud, I was scrolling through your Twitter before we started recording and I'm looking at this uh, Jake Sirius's clip from Ronald or yeah, Robert Jones that you were talking about earlier, middle yeah. Tennessee. And here he is with beautiful footwork, great handwork as he puts the edge rusher on the ground. I mean, that's pretty impressive technique. And again, obviously it is hard to throw somebody from tackle at the senior bowl into tackle at the NFL level where you go from taking on maybe a pretty solid guy in the class to Khalil Mack and that's your job but even yeah. so I'm I'm really surprised like you're talking about with solid hands solid feet and if that's just an example of what the senior bowl looks like this year it feels like the future is bright up front yeah absolutely I feel like I was particularly impressed with more of the, with the small school guys how polished a lot of them were I mean it's not to say that they were perfect on every single rep but more often than not, they were able to accurately strike with their hands. They had good footwork. They had good pad level. I think that was definitely impressive. The ability to get your weight underneath you and stay low. A lot of small school guys, especially, uh, as well as a lot of this class, are able to do that. I think that's huge because that's kind of, you know, one of the biggest aspects of playing offensive line is the ability to get low and what's the point in lifting all those weights if you're not able to get low and maximize your strength and your frame? Mm -hmm. And like you said, Robert Jones, one of those guys who can do that. I think him and Quinn Miners had some of the best technique on day two, and they're not even uh, power five guys. So I was really impressed. I, words can't describe how happy I was watching a lot of these offensive linemen. And I'm – I don't even fancy myself an offensive line guru. Like I personally, from a, uh, an evaluation standpoint, I feel most comfortable with the wide receivers. So I figured I'd step outside of my little comfort zone there and watch some offensive linemen. And I'm really happy I did. 
That's awesome. And frankly, one more question about the offensive line before we can talk about something else. I'm sure there was tons to talk about. (laughs) Did it seem like, I know you mentioned one, but there are some guys in this class that are capable at both of the important interior positions, so guard and center, because, and this is purely because we're not in the coaching room. I have no idea what the Bears plan to do on the interior, because I think we can agree Cody Whitehair is a left guard. But is James Daniels going to play right guard, or is he going to play center? I sure don't know. But it means that not only do we need to be paying attention to tackle, but we've got to be watching center and guard too, right? And if there's somebody in there that can play both positions, I mean, frankly, that sounds almost more ideal just in case the Bears suffer another injury. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I think there are a handful of guys in this class who are capable of playing both guard and center. I mean, you look at a lot of collegiate centers, I feel like uh, Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma is a guy, if they go interior offensive line, uh, probably second round is where I bet Creed Humphrey goes. He's a left-handed center, so that's a little bit, you know, odd for the position and you know teams might get worried about that like oh is the the spin off the ball going to affect a quarterback or anything which it didn't in at Oklahoma but that could be enough to move him to guard I think he could play there uh I think you're looking at a guy uh potentially Drake Jackson out of Kentucky I think that could be a possibility as well and then Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater the fact that he was able to play as well as he did uh at center while being a natural guard. I think that really impressed me for a small school guy that proved to be not only to play both positions, but to play them well, I think that's going to go miles for uh, improving his draft stock for sure. Absolutely. And hopefully a team can make use of it because I know that Cody Whitehair's, uh, if you will, like one of the things that got him as high on the Bears radar as they or as he was, was his ability, like we saw, to kick inside and play center. When at the time, I think it was Matt Slauson, could be wrong, can't remember who the Bears center was in 2016, got hurt. Cody Whitehair stepped in, ended up making a bunch of all rookie teams, and I think even a Pro Bowl alternate, but that's all besides the point. It's great to hear the offensive line seems to be shaping into a very solid class when it comes to the rest of the offense before we head into the break anybody that surprised you yeah so I was able to catch a bit of the wide receivers I feel like uh I mean obviously I wasn't there as much as I was on day one but there were a handful of guys that still caught my eye regardless I feel like uh, Amari Rogers out of Clemson was someone I really liked watching because heading into the senior bowl, I had a couple of questions about his technique as a route runner. I knew he was athletic, but I didn't know if he knew how to attack those leverage points, how to, uh, take advantage of a cornerback's weak spot and be able to adjust his stems accordingly. And he proved that today. He was not only intelligent in his route running, he was sharp. He was explosive, just straight up athletic i was really impressed with him uh josh palmer from tennessee is he's a bit bigger at receiver he's about 6162 like 210 pounds but he still set was able to separate very well i was impressed with his technique and his crispness as a route runner but and then you're looking at tylen wallace from oklahoma state i think i mentioned him uh when we were recapping day one he's one of the best receivers in mobile right now 
And I feel like he's really done a good job of showing that. And South Dakota State's Kay Johnson being another guy, I feel like he's done a very good job of taking advantage of this opportunity to go up against better competition, I guess you could say, and prove that he can separate at the next level, which I think that's been huge. So those are just a couple of receivers I've really liked. Overall, I think in a couple of guys, uh, Dwayne Eskridge had another good day and out of Western Michigan, Kadarius Tony from Florida was able to get open. He dropped a handful of passes though. So that I was a little bit worried about that, but I mean, regardless, he's athletic and he's able to get open. If he can work on his hands that, you know, he could be a very valuable weapon, but you know, not his best day overall. It's always cool to hear about a lot of these small school guys that come and show out at the senior bowl. Cause I know for a lot of power five guys, like take Mac Jones as an example, even though he plays quarterback, let's just pick him. Another one would be Creed Humphrey. The argument would be that these guys play in power five conferences, Creed in the big 12 Mac in the sec. And they go up against a bunch of guys that they will probably wait, get to wave to again on Sundays. Should they may, or make it into the NFL? Like we expect, but guys at the smaller school, this is their big moment to show they can hang with the bigger players with the higher conferences with the pedigreed guys and so it's cool to hear that not only on offensive line but also a wide receiver a lot of these smaller school guys are driving themselves up the board because let's be honest we like a crowded draft board and the more dense that these classes can get and the more depth that they show they have the better it is for every team in the nfl yeah, and I feel like this is this deep of a senior bowl class is good for all teams, not just the Bears. The fact that there are so many talented guys at so many positions, like even some of the, you know, supposed weaker positions in this draft class still have a handful of really good potential starters. It's not like there are only one or two potential starters in a certain draft class and then it just completely falls off in a, a specific position rather there are guys that we're looking at in early to mid day three that I can say all right I, I can pass this guy as a potential day one starter so I think that that's huge especially considering Ryan Pace his sweet spot that he's proven is the fourth round the fifth round specifically those two uh, he doesn't have a fourth rounder this year, but he's got a fifth rounder in his disposal. And I'm excited to see what he can do with that because there are a lot of good guys I think will be available at that point in the draft. And like you're talking about, especially given the type of player that you can find on the fourth round, because it's interesting, right? The psychology of draft picks is funny. You're not going to take Darnell Mooney in the first round or even as late as the third round, because you know you can get him later. Like coming from Tulane with a 180-pound frame, just to be clear to the listeners, there are a lot of these guys that if you had to do it over again, you still wouldn't take them that high, regardless of their productivity, because of who they are. So Ryan Pace clearly has that correct mindset on how to go mining for Bilal Nichols out of Delaware, for uh, Darnell Mooney out of Tulane. And hopefully, like you're talking about, whether it's offensive line receiver whatever it is he's able to find something even if he trades back and adds a fourth round pick for instance because the bears could use some solid talented bodies at even positions of if they're just going to be depth that's okay and this sounds like i mean it I'm, I'm not trying to be sunshine blowing it you are making it sound like this is exactly the draft class the bears could want right 
Oh, without a doubt. I think that with picks in the first three rounds for the first time since what? 2016, I believe. Too long. Don't make me think about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's been too long. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like they're in a prime opportunity where they can take advantage and add some real young difference makers, which they admittedly have a ton of right now. You look at guys that are currently on their rookie deals. I mean, you got Roquan Smith, Darnell Mooney, Jalen Johnson, and then David Montgomery. And then I guess you could say James Daniels too, but you know, that's counting on one hand, maybe Cole Komet still some questions about him. See how he does in a bigger role next year. I feel like this is a perfect draft to kind of restock for the future while trying to fit that opportunity of, okay, Ryan Pace knows his job's on the line. Let's try and get some guys who can contribute right away. And I mean, kudos to Ryan Pace. Uh, He's made some questionable decisions, but the one thing he's been very good at is finding value in the mid to late rounds. And I think that with this draft class, that's a very good opportunity for him to do so. I just don't, I just hope that he doesn't trade away too much, unless it's for a quarterback, unless it's for a quarterback, then I'll accept it. Otherwise, just stick with what you got, maybe even trade down because we're looking at early day three, late day two, that's probably the sweet spot of this draft. And, you know, I'll tell you this, I'll give you a a nibble of it and we can talk about it on another show when it's not 1130, but it is going to be interesting to see how the bears like navigate this quarterback position, because at the end of the day, if nothing's available for the right price, you could convince me and I could hopefully convince some of you guys that should the worst come to worst, you could feasibly field a decent offense with even Nick Foles and a bunch of offensive line upgrades and some added talent at receiver and maybe another running back in the room and just keep that bench warm for a quarterback pick in 2022 where the Bears would have a little more resources and cap space to play with. They don't have to get the whole enchilada this offseason, but it'll be interesting to see what they do because if they do trade up for Trey Lance and don't end up replacing a tackle but did cut Bobby Massey they're going to be in a hole so I'm interested to see what happens here hearing about the depth at key positions couldn't be more important now we're going to take a quick step back so that our sponsors can get a word in but after that we're going to come back to you with the other side of the ball on defense support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
And we are back. I'm here with Jacob Infante recapping day two of the Senior Bowl. And now it's funny. You said you watched a whole lot of offensive line, and there's no way to watch them without getting to watch that defensive line across from them. So if the offensive line had a great day, does that mean the defensive line had a bad day, or did some some specific players stand out? Yeah, I feel like there were a couple of specific players who did stand out. Uh, I do think the offensive line got the better of the group on day two, though. A couple defensive guys that I want to highlight here real quick, whether it's an edge rusher, interior guys. I really liked Quincy Roche out of Miami, Florida. I feel like he had a good day on day one, and he built upon that on day three. I feel like he looked athletic off the snap. He looked flexible when turning the corner there was one rep in particular that I tweeted out where he went up against Alex Leatherwood who's a potential you know late first round early second round talent and Roche just blew past him with pure speed off the edge and he was able to stay low rip and dip and turn the corner and I was very impressed with that rep in particular but he showed a lot that I really liked at the edge rusher position couple other guys I really liked, Tulane's Cameron Sample. He kind of fits that tweener mold where he's heavier for an edge rusher but lighter for an interior guy. I like him a lot in the edge because he's quick coming off the snap. He's got really quick hands. I was really impressed with a lot of the reps that he had. And looking back on tape from day one, I, I was able to notice myself and I had a couple of guys point out to me as well that I've been talking to down here that – Cameron Sample had a really good day one. I honestly didn't see a whole lot of him live, but then when I went back to watch, I saw he had a really good day one, another really day, a really good day two as well. A couple other guys I liked, uh, Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest was powerful once again. I, th- I mentioned on the first pod that we did that I could hear jabs on the bag drill from probably miles away. That's how loud it was and how powerful he was. Uh, And he did a very good job again today too. I think that maybe not as good, but he still had a really good performance in terms of his ability to shed blocks and his ability to penetrate the backfield. I was really impressed with that. And uh, three quick guys I want to go into a little bit. Uh, UAB's Jordan Smith, and had a good day on day one and uh, followed it up with another solid day on day two off the edge. Penn State shock at Tony. I think he had a good game uh, or good practice rather. I think he was explosive off the snap, fluid, and was able to convert speed to power well. And then finally, the interior defensive line maybe didn't have the best day. But if I had to pick an MVP, it might be Osa Odigizoa from UCLA. I, I, I believe I talked about him also on day one. And he's another one of those tweeners, but I like him a bit better at tackle. He was fast off the snap. He proved to be a bit of a challenge for some of those guards and centers to go up against. So, yeah, I really liked him. I thought there were a handful of really good performances along that D-line. I do think the offensive line got the better of them, though. Did you say it's Odigizoa? Is that his last name? Uh, I think it's Zua, Odigizua, now that I'm okay. thinking about it over. I, I just pronounce Odigizoa because, I don't know, that's just, Either that's way. how it came out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
Odigizua. I, I'm repeating the name to myself because one thing that I've started to worry about, Jacob, and this is a little bit of a, an offshot opinion, but after watching the 2020 NFL, I don't know what the ref or the officiating landscape is going to look like in 2021. Right now, it seems as if its defense is becoming an interior lineman's game because it's uh, interior linemen basically deal with more holding on the regular because that's what happens on the interior. And it seems as if that's starting to take a lot of the extra oomph out of edge rushers. And we saw that with Khalil Mack, who consistently dominated and just wasn't able to affect games like he was he used to with quick passing and double teams and consistent chip blocks, basically showing that even one of the best edge rushers in the game can get slowed down. It's not like things were with uh, Von Miller taking over a Super Bowl in 2015 quite anymore. So I only bring, or so I have to ask, when you look at these interior defensive lineman do you think it's maybe a little bit weaker class than some others have been and it's more of an edge rusher class than it is in idl yeah i think so i think that especially in terms of the senior bowl class it's heavier an edge than it is interior defensive line uh, in terms of the general class though i think there are a handful of solid interior defenders who uh, either weren't able to perform at the senior bowl or they weren't eligible to. Uh, there are a lot of guys that I haven't had the chance to talk about that. I really like as defensive options along the defensive line on day two. Some of them might be a bit undersized. I think I've noticed that about a lot of these guys that they might be on the lighter side for defensive tackles. There aren't as many true like 320 pound gap eaters in this class. I mean, there are some of those that just, you know, kind of few and far between, but a lot of those quicker off the snap type of guys, a lot of hybrids, a handful of guys who I think have good pass uh, value on passing downs, but in terms of space eaters and gap eaters and guys that could really attract those double teams, I think that there aren't necessarily a ton of those in this class. And I mean, hey, look, I'm not going to pretend to be shocked. 320-pound human beings just don't grow on trees. So <laughs> the idea that the, the draft might be a little light on those three, four space eaters, not shocking. That's where if the Bears don't go in that direction, at least they've got Eddie Goldman and they can make their own bed when it comes to Akeem Hicks. When it comes to other defenders, be it linebackers, safeties, corners, anybody you saw, what stuck out today? Yeah, so as far as the linebackers go, I didn't have as much of an opportunity to get a good reading on them because I feel like in those situations, it can be kind of because for most of those drills, you're not really going at full physicality at that position. Tackle, really. I mean, there's some tackling, but it's kind of few and far between in terms of how the uh, each workout works. I think one linebacker who kind of stood out to me was Grant Stewart from Houston. He started off as a safety in college, and he's got that fluidity in coverage. I saw him going up against a handful of running backs and even a couple tight ends, and he was able to hold up in terms of, you know, playing in man coverage, getting a nice jab uh, at the top of his opponent's route and being able to, you know, jam them a little bit and mess up their uh, their con route concept that they're working on. Hands, maybe not there, but I feel like in terms of pure coverage linebackers, guys who can move around, you can potentially put them in man coverage in certain situations. I think he's a guy who stood out. Defensive back-wise, 
Uh, Aaron Robinson out of UCF at the cornerback position looked really good to me. He looked uh, physical in one-on-ones. I, he's lengthier, if I'm not mistaken, for a cornerback. So I feel like I would expect him to thrive in a bit of those press man situations. And he did do a very good job there. Trey Brown from Oklahoma was another guy who stood out to me. He was consistently covering guys and shutting them down in those one-on-one drills. Oregon's Thomas Graham, better on day one, but still had a good day two as well. And then as far as safeties, I do have a couple guys I wanted to talk about, uh, specifically Florida State safety, uh, Sean Davis. Now, Sean Davis, he had one pick, I believe. He had another, but he dropped it. But regardless, he's shown that he was able to play in that center fielder role very well. He's able to uh, cover a significant amount of space, but he can also charge downhill uh, downhill and be able to cover the underneath as well. So I was impressed with him on uh, the fluidity that he showed off in coverage. Uh, Florida State's Hamza Nasiruddin, another guy I thought had a really good day one, had a solid day two as well. Uh, and yeah, those are a couple of the defensive backs that I really liked. Again, not necessarily as much work on them as I had in day one, but I do think there are a handful of defensive backs in this class who could really make a difference. That's awesome to hear. And before we close things up, you know, it just dawned on me. You talked about how we got to see some linebackers and some running backs running routes. So from whether it, like you talked about, if you, if there's another linebacker that stuck out to you, or maybe more importantly, a running back that stuck out like a weapon, whether it's the passing game, truly like whether he's a true passing back like Tariq Cohen or more of, Hey, I didn't think he had that in his toolkit from somebody else. Were there any running backs or linebackers that in those drills in particular seem to have a bit of an edge to them? Yeah. Uh, you're actually leading me perfectly into a segue talking about UCLA's Demetric Felton. Uh, I feel like he, he ran a handful of routes at wide receiver uh, yesterday and I think one of his clips went viral. It had like a thousand likes or something, or probably even more than that at that point. Uh, And he just looks so crisp and so athletic. He was a former receiver to start college. Uh, There's a chance he moves there in the pros. I think he's a better running back still. uh, But with what I saw from him as a route runner, I was really impressed, not only out of the backfield, but out wide as a wide receiver as well, his ability Uh, to break free from man coverage with a nice variety of, you know, releases and moves off the snap. I was really impressed with him. And one other running back that kind of stood out to me as in, hey, I didn't realize that he could catch the ball like this was uh, Mizzou's Larry Roundtree. And when, you you know, you go back, yeah, (laughs) you're looking at me and I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm kind of biased with that. But yeah, he had a good day one running the ball. And day two, I... I truthfully didn't realize that, you know, he's got some solid hands because he simply wasn't asked to do that whole lot in college. Mizzou has another good receiving back, Tyler Beatty, who isn't going, he's not, he didn't declare for the draft, but he's their main uh, passing down guy. And then Larry Roundtree was simply the guy that they run uh, on two down situations. They'd uh, just run the ball with him. He's kind of their workhorse. And then Beatty would kind of help him out on passing downs. I liked what I saw from Roundtree passing the ball, or catching the ball rather. I think that he showed 
a nice route tree considering how inexperienced he was. And he showed solid hands regardless of how good the coverage was around him. So that was a guy I was really impressed with. He's not going to be like an Alvin Kamara or a Christian McCaffrey where he can run a full route tree as a running back or a wide receiver. But in terms of, you know, more powerful backs who can potentially contribute a little bit in the passing game, I think that Roundtree would be a really good fit for, you know, just about any team. And, you know, it's funny. You talk about a lot of these backs, and not only does being able to catch the ball in the modern NFL help a guy like Roundtree potentially find himself a David Montgomery-esque feature back that also catches the ball sometimes roll, but maybe more importantly, you talked about the guy, remind me his name, the one who might flex the receiver. Yeah, uh, Demetric Felton was Dimitri- his name from UCLA. Thank you. Felton, in that case, you know, it's really interesting. We're seeing this influx of a position in the NFL where the old, the old school like weapon or athlete position, as it's sometimes called in college, it's making its way up where a guy like Tariq Cohen on the more running back minded side and a guy like, oh my gosh, Debo Samuel is a great example or uh, Nicole Hardman in Kansas City. These guys who have enough zest to them that wherever you put them, they're going to to be a problem and they're going to draw that extra attention you're making it sound like felton might very well be that next addition in a smart offense whoever ends up taking him of you know he could be in the backfield he could be out wide he's going to be able to do some damage so you're gonna to have to figure out how to stop him yeah definitely and one uh guy in particular i think that i'd compare Demetri felton to a little bit is tony pollard uh the cowboys running back i feel like He played a decent amount of wide receiver at the collegiate level, and he's shown that, you know, in in, uh, flashes, when he's had the opportunity when Zeke's gone down, Tony Pollard's been able to be a solid running back, uh, a solid complimentary guy who can also catch passes out of the backfield, or you can line him up out wide. I think that's a similar skill set with Felton. Felton might even be more explosive. So I think that that's a really good – Uh, If you're looking for a true offensive weapon, like you were saying, someone you can move around, someone who's going to be kind of tough to scheme for because you don't know exactly how they're going to utilize him. I think that he would be a really good fit. I kind of liked him on the middle of day three, but I don't think he goes any later than early day three, maybe even late day two at this point, looking as a potential third, fourth round pick. Makes sense. It's awesome to hear that there's somebody out there raising his draft stock, and I'm sure he's not the only one. Well, it's getting relatively late. I've mentioned that a couple times. So, Jacob, go ahead and wrap us up. Final thoughts on uh, day two of the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I think that day two of the Senior Bowl was as entertaining as as the practice on day one. And I feel like the offensive line really stood out to me. Granted, that might be because I focused a bit more on it, but from what I was able to see, there are a lot of really good offensive linemen. So Bears fans, I know that you want some sort of upgrade along the offensive line. So if you want that, then you know get to know some of these senior bowl guys that we've been talking about here because there are a lot of talented guys, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears end up with one of them. I feel like they'd be doing themselves a disservice to not at least do their homework on a good chunk of these guys because there's some legitimate talent I think could really boost uh, their offensive line. 
man, you couldn't be getting me any more excited for what is it, late April, early May than than I already am. This offseason has to be Ryan Pace's finest hour. It has to be a good one or else, well, we may end up with a new GM in 2022, but we all already know that. So getting to know this class a little bit better helps us set our expectations for what to expect. And right now you're kind of making it sound like the sky's the limit, relatively speaking, that there is enough clay out there. There is enough gold to be found, if you will, that a smart GM who plays his cards right could end up coming away with quite literally a roster changing draft should he hit everything. And granted, that almost never happens. But what is it? The 2017 Saints draft that put that team back on the map. You make it sound like this is the kind of class that if you need to overhaul on offense, basically everything but the tight end, there is a deep deep class ready for or ready for selection yeah without a doubt i feel like a lot of the bears needs that they have especially receiver and offensive line it's really deep uh tackle guard center whatever the bears want to do at offensive line and trust me i don't really know what they will do because there are a lot of moving pieces there i think that whatever they choose to do they'll have some really good options to work with so i'm excited I hope that the Bears will actually be able to draft an offensive lineman or two early this year because it's been a while. We've seen a, uh, Cody Whitehair and James Daniels, but there hasn't been a tackle drafted uh, in the first four rounds since 2011. And it's sad that I know that off the top of my head, but that's where we're at right now. And that's how badly I want to tackle. But I also look at a lot of these interior guys and I'm really impressed. So whatever it is the Bears do, I think that they – it would be tough for them to go wrong because there are a lot of really good guys in this class, especially along that offensive line that I'm really excited about. Makes sense. I'm super amped to see, to not only get to know them better, but to see how things play out. Jacob, thanks so much for jumping on in the situation that you're in and hopefully I'll get to talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on as always. Anytime. Um, looking forward, yeah. Looking forward to breaking down day three with you. Can't wait. Talk to you then. That's going to do it for this one, folks. Be sure to keep an eye out for more Senior Bowl coverage as early as tomorrow and throughout the rest of this week as I continually bring on Jacob to try and give you the most up-to-date and in-depth Senior Bowl coverage possible. If you like what I have to say, feel free to follow me over on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz or check me out on YouTube at Run Pass Opinion. Be sure to give this podcast a rating, ideally five stars, but any feedback is helpful and it helps us get the message out to any bear. Bears fans in the area, and until next time, Bears fans, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.